Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Isaiah chapter 9. We're reading just a couple of verses there, and then we'll go from there. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. And from that time forward, even forever, he said, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, this is one of the most fascinating prophecies in the scriptures. Because it talks about the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This verse of the scripture prophesied, number one, that gave us a prophecy of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Say, for unto us a child is born. This same verse of the scripture that we've read tells us about the deity of Christ. He say, is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It tells us about Christ's earthly government. He says, his government will be that of peace. It talks about his righteous kingdom, which is he established it with judgment and with justice. And it talks about his eternal reign. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This verse of the scripture tells us about everything, about the mission, the birth, the death, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even the final coming of the Lord. In that little two verse of scripture, all these things is encapsulated. Isaiah was basically telling us what was to come. He was talking about the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was talking about what we now refer to, you know, the first part of that chapter, those verses, talks about what we now refer to as our Christmas. A time of the year. That is very, very different in every way. It's a different in its essence. That season of the year is different in its essence. It is different in its appeal. It is different even in, on its effect on people. There are people who are overjoyed at this particular time of the year. And there are people who are simply pissed off anytime they hear the word Christmas. So it has a lot of effect on people. And until recently, it was a season that was used, dedicated solely to the celebration of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It used to be a time of the commemoration of the divine visitation of the Almighty God in the camp of men. It used to be a season of joy and a season of goodwill. It used to be a festive and a time of festivity, a time of rejoicing. The special nature of this particular season has been captured in songs. It has been captured in stage plays. It has been captured in the orchestra. For those of us who have had the opportunity to go and hear Handel's Messiah, you will see the imagination and all the things that come as a result of this particular season. A season that is used to be able to glorify the King of Kings. And one thing I know, many of us probably will have this recollection or have this fond memory. I remember when I was growing up, Christmas was the time that everybody was looking forward to. Because when at that time, that was when you get some new clothes. At least in the part of the country where I come from. That's where you get some new clothes. That's where you change your shoes. That is when you get to play with some firework. We used to play bisco in those days or knockout. And then 
That is the day that you have unlimited food. You eat to the point that you end up with constipation. Because that is when nobody stops you. I mean, all sorts of foods keep coming in. Because the way we do it in our own neck of the wood at that time is that the neighbors will start exchanging food. You know the guy that cooks very well. You know the ones that are very stingy with their meat and their cow and their chicken. I mean, that was a season. It was a ball for us when we were growing up at that time. But for some unfortunate reason, for some unfortunate reason, the season that was meant to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, that season that was supposed to be a festive season, that was supposed to celebrate the coming of Emmanuel, God with us in the midst of his people, has degenerated into something else. Some are so angered by the guy that they believe did not exist, they are determined to make sure that the rest of us share in that anger and in their miserable life. You are saying God does not exist, and yet you are so pissed anytime you hear the name. Why would you be so angry with a guy that does not exist? I still don't know. But there are people like that, because they don't want to celebrate this time, they want you also not to celebrate it, and they want you to be as miserable as they are. There are some who are so ticked off by the idea of a savior, that if they have their way, they will not even want you to think about it during this season. They don't just want you not to talk about it, they don't even want you to think about it at this point in time. And the unfortunate thing is that even in the church, it's beginning to buy into this foolishness. Instead of saying the things, the traditional greeting, now we have turned it into a generic greeting. Some in the church are so afraid of identifying with Christ that they have turned the church into a social club. Or a not-for-government organization where you cannot say anything about Christ anymore. The church has become so inclusive that the gospel message, the reason for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ has been forgotten. The church has become so inclusive that what we are now saying, the gospel message in our culture has become so irrelevant that when you are preaching people, what are you talking about? Do people still believe in this nonsense? That is how irrelevant that we have become. And you begin to wonder, what happened to a culture like this? This was a culture that sent missionaries all over the world. This was a culture that recorded the two great awakenings. This was a culture where you find out that the generosity of the church was known all over the world. What happened to a culture like this? What happened to the church where the fire of God was always present? What happened to the people of God who walked about proclaiming the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? What happened to us at this point in time? How did we get to this point? Where the celebration of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ has not been considered to be offensive. How did we get to this point? How did we get to the point as a culture, as a body of Christ, as individual? It is no longer enough for people to disagree with one another. But now we have gotten to the point where you not only disagree, you now demonize and destroy the idea and the person that represents that idea. If you disagree with an individual, don't have the days when you say, okay, I don't agree with you, but we still can still go around and hang out and have a cup of coffee and still move on. Now, if I disagree with you, I want to kill and destroy you. How did we get to that point? How did you get to the point where even in the church, it is now a thing of offense for the people of God to even talk about the foundation of the church? Where we don't even understand the very purpose of why we are gathered anymore. Where people don't even understand the reason for the Bible. They don't even understand the mission of Christ on earth. They don't even know why Jesus was born in the first place. How did we get to that point? If I had the answer, I can assure you I'll be a millionaire today. But the point is that the Bible gives us a clue. If you read the book of Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, from verse number 28, the Bible says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, 
God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-minded. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, unconcerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but they also approve of those who practice them. That is how we got to where we are. If you read that verse of the scripture very carefully. In other words, Paul the Apostle, writing in the time of the Roman, was telling us that the reason why the culture began to degenerate, why the word of God is no longer approved, even within the church, is number one. We have declared our independence to the Almighty God. Is it because we did not want to retain the knowledge of God in our heart? In other words, you know there is a God. You know the things that they have established. You know the things that they have said. You know right from wrong. But you have made up your mind that those things, you don't want to be hurt. You don't want to be restrained by those things. That is how we ended up the way we have ended up. Number two, how did we get to where we get to? We got to where we got to because we want to live an unrestrained lifestyle. I said it for a week ago when we were talking about attitude. We say a man who wants to live a selfish life and then wonders why life is not turning out the way it wants it to be. You want to live an unrestrained life. You want to live an unrestrained habit. You want to have unrestrained appetite. And at the end of the day, you'll find that the result is what you see even in the church today. Where people don't want to hear the truth anymore. They don't want to be restrained. They don't want to be told that they are wrong. They want to be told that they are the best thing that ever happened. Even when they are heading down in the wrong direction, they don't want to be corrected. And you see it in the place of work. You see a young graduate who comes to work and he wants to occupy the corner office. And see if you can graduate today and become the CEO tomorrow. But that is the culture that we're living in. Number one, we get to where we are because of our independence from the Almighty God. Number two, because we want to live an unrestrained lifestyle. Number three, because of a rebellion, a conscious rebellion against the Almighty God. Look at verse number 28 of that chapter. The Bible says, Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of deaths. Not only do that thing, but they also approve of those. In other words, they are rebellious, openly rebellious to the Almighty God. Tumping their finger to the Almighty God and saying, yes, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I don't want to serve you. I'm going to curse you to your face. And what are you going to do? And that is why we are where we are right now. We are even within the church. The name of Jesus Christ is an offense to some people. And you say you are a Christian. What are you doing here? If you have problem believing in Jesus Christ in the church, what are you doing here? And that is the condition where we find ourselves. When we live in such a condition for a long time, when we openly antagonize everything godly, the result is what we are seeing right now, where there is no difference between the church and the world we are supposed to preach to. And as much as we try to pretend as a culture that Christ is a myth, pretend as if the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ does not matter, the Bible makes us to understand that God is still God. And that is what he declared very clearly to us in the Gospel of John chapter 1. Gospel of John chapter 1, reading from verse number 1, the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of a man. Verse number 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. And he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in him. And the world became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. In other words, the Bible is saying this. Whether you like it or you don't like it, Jesus is God. Whether you like it or you don't like it, Jesus is God. Number two, the Bible is telling us, uh, whether the culture wants to believe it or not, Jesus is the creator of all things. Contrary to popular beliefs that we are the product of chance, the Bible is making it very clear that Jesus is saying all things were made through him and without him was nothing made. So whether they want to believe it or not, Jesus is the creator of all things. Number three, whether they believe it or not, Jesus is the mediator. He is the one that reconciles man and God. If you want to have a relationship with the almighty God, it is only through Jesus. And that's why he say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. And then the Bible is making us to understand that until Jesus become a part of your life, until Jesus become a part of your celebration this season. Until Jesus become a part of the church. Until Jesus becomes a part of your family. Becomes a part of your job. Becomes a part of everything that you do. You will find that life becomes meaningless. And that's why the Bible makes us understand that Jesus is the one that makes a difference. It was the one that makes life meaningful. The Bible said the word became flesh. And dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten Son, full of grace and truth. That's why Paul the Apostle, when he understood this, he spoke to the Philippian church. He told them in, in Philippians chapter 2, reading from verse number 9, the Bible tells us, Therefore God has highly exalted him, and given him a name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven, and those on the earth, and those under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, whether you like it or you don't like it, you are going to confess that Jesus is Lord. It's either you do it now so that you can receive his forgiveness, or you do it later when you will face his wrath. But one way or the other, you are going to do it. And like I always tell people, whether you like it or not, you are going to pay. Whether you pay up front or you pay at the back end, you are going to pay. Many of us who are from the neck of the wood where I come from, we hear the popular saying where they say there is no free lunch in America. The same thing in the kingdom of God, there's no free Lord. You will bow your knee to the living God. You will bow your knee to this resurrected Christ. You can either do it now or you will do it later. But one way or the other, you are going to bow your knee. And the other one, the Lord is basically saying that Jesus is the man. It doesn't matter what you think about it. Jesus is the man. It doesn't matter what you feel about it. Jesus is the man. And if you want to get things right, you've got to get right with the man. And the question that many in the church has often failed to ask is, why is Jesus Christ necessary? Why is it important for him to be born? Why is it necessary for the word of God to become flesh and dwell among us? Why is it important for Jesus Christ to come into this particular world? Because that is one thing we need to understand if you are going to walk with him. Why is it important? For Jesus to be born. Number one, 
Jesus had to be born because of the love of God. Because of the love of God for the work of his own hand. The love of God compels the almighty God to be able to redeem his people. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He created us. Contrary to popular accepted belief, we are not a product of chance. You are not a lucky mod. You are not a monkey that decided to shave off the excess hair from his body. You are a created human being. And that's why David says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says, before you were formed in your womb, the Almighty God knew you. You are not a creation of chance. Yeah. And that is why Jesus Christ had to come. Because the love of the Almighty God for his own creation. Number two, Jesus had to come because we have messed up as a human being. You all know the story. The fall of man brought the condemnation of God. The Bible says, as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinner. So also by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. In other words, we were alienated from the Almighty God. We were separated from the Almighty God as a result of sin. And for us to be able to come back unto him, you need a savior. That's why Jesus came. Jesus did not come to make you rich. Please understand that. He did not come to make you happy. He came to save you. If you read the book of Matthew chapter 1 verse number 21, the Bible says, he said, and you shall give back to his child, and you shall call his name Jesus. And why? Because he will deliver his people from their sins. That's why he came. Every other thing is an addition. As we refer to it in my neck of the wood, every other thing is an afeku. That means it's just one of those icing on the cake. The main reason why he came is to deliver you. Because if Jesus was to come to make you rich, what about all those rich billionaires who hate the sight of God, who hate the thought of God? That means Jesus failed if that was the purpose. How many of the believers are walking around with their shoes that have a hole underneath? If that's the purpose of Jesus Christ to make you rich. Yes, you can be rich when you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But the, the purpose of the Savior coming is to be able to deliver you from the sins that have held you captive. Number three, why did Jesus Christ come? Jesus came because he was the only one that can provide a perfect sacrifice for sin. The Bible says it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. For the body, the Lord God Almighty has prepared for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he came. Jesus Christ came so that he might destroy the works of the devil. And the Bible makes us to understand. He says that he that commits sins is of the devil. But the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. He came so that he can mediate a new covenant between you and the Almighty God. So that he can reconcile you. So that he can give you a better promise. That's why he came. He did not come so that you can just sit down and put your life on cruise control and just enjoy things. And just declare, yes, I'm a child of God and so I can live anyhow. That's not why he came. He came so that you can have the righteousness of God, so that you can be reconciled back unto him. This means that if Jesus did not come, if Jesus is not in any life, if Jesus has not been a part of your daily living, what you find is that you are separated from the love of God. If Jesus is not part of the equation of your life, if Jesus has not come, all of us will have been separated from the love of God. If Jesus has not come, we will remain in our fallen state, we will remain in your sins. If Jesus has not come, atonement for our sin, the reconciliation that took place on the cross of Calvary will not be possible. If Jesus has not come, deliverance will be a mirage for a lot of us. Because we will suffer the hands of the enemy, but we will not be able to do anything about it. There are many who are going through difficulty in life right now. They don't even know where to turn. You know where to turn because you have access to the grace of God. If Jesus has not come, that particular hope of deliverance will have been a mirage. You run towards it, but nothing is there. 
And that is what a lot of people are doing right now. They run towards different directions, but they find that there is no help in there. If Jesus had not come, hope, there will be no hope for any man. There will be no hope. That's why the Bible says, Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. The reason you and I can come into a place like this and begin to sing praises to the Almighty God. The reason why we can still clap our hands in the midst of difficulty. The reason why we can still look up when everything around us is gloomy. is because we have a hope in us that this is not the end of the story. That when the Lord Jesus Christ will come, He will lift us up and He will take us to a better place. This is the hope that resides inside of us. And because of that, we are able to sing. And the people who think that they know better, People who think that they have educated themselves into imbeciles. You will now find out that they will tell you that these things don't exist. That there is nothing like that. They say religion is the opium of the people. It takes their mind away from the realities of life. But you find that scientific studies have been conducted. That the people of faith, they have a better quality of life. It has been proven that the spiritual is the determinant of the physical. If you have no life in your spirit, you are dead physically. And that's why if Jesus had not come, many of us would have been hopeless. Now, seeing the importance of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, why are people so opposed to this idea of Jesus? Why are they so opposed to this idea of walking with the Almighty God? Why are people finding it very difficult to be able to embrace the truths that is embodied in the living Christ? Number one reason is, if you find in the book of Romans chapter 8, reading from verse number 6, the Bible says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the laws of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are on the flesh cannot please God. In other words, many people find it very difficult to understand the things of the gospel because they are spiritually dead. And because you are spiritually dead, I can talk from now till tomorrow. It doesn't make any difference. You see a dead person, you can dangle the amount of money so much in their presence, you don't make any difference. Except for a group of people who are living in one part of Nigeria. The only way you can test whether they are alive or dead is when you drop money where they are. <laughs> but that's a story for another day. But the idea is that the reason people do not embrace the gospel is simply because they are spiritually dead. Number two, the reason why people do not embrace the gospel is because it is pure foolishness to the heart that, that is not alive to Christ. First Corinthians chapter 2 reading from verse number 14 tells us, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him, nor can they know him, because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, how can you tell somebody that when you are born again, your life is turned around, that you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. How can you tell somebody that the way up is to go down? The way to exaltation is when you humble yourself. How can you believe in the paradox of the scriptures? The Bible makes us understand people find it very difficult to believe. Because it appears foolish unto them. Just foolish. What is making you happy 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning? When you got out of bed and you come in here with sings of few songs and you are just jumping and you are happy. Something is wrong with you. Why would you just wake up in the morning, write a check and give it to this African man? It is foolishness for people who do not understand. And that is why people find it very difficult to associate themselves with the truth of the gospel. Because they just cannot understand what you guys are doing. But once you have an encounter with the living God, once you have an encounter with the resurrected Christ, once the Spirit of God breathes upon you, it changes everything. I don't know whether you've ever seen, there's this thing that they call the aha moment. When you're looking at something, you're looking at something, you're looking at something, all of a sudden it makes sense. 
It's like the light bulb goes off in your head. That is what happens when you are born again. There is a light bulb that comes up in your spirit. The word of God begins to make sense unto you. Many people are not in the body of Christ. Number one, because they are spiritually dead. Number two, because it is foolishness unto them. Number three, because they are willfully rejecting it. Somebody said that I rejected Christ. And they were asking a very popular is a writer or philosopher. I can't remember which one. But they were saying that if you die and you find that there is God. It was Nietzsche. It was Nietzsche. They say if you are dying and you see God and you find that all that you have been talking about is wrong. What will you say? He said, I will tell you that he didn't give me enough evidence. He said, I will tell God that he didn't give me enough evidence. That's why I didn't believe in him. But the thing is this. People will argue that why can you say only one way to heaven? And the question is that if you give people a thousand ways, I can assure you they will ask for 1,001. Yes. If you give him 5,000, they will ask for 5,001. It is not the lack of evidence. It is what is called a willful rejection. And that is what we read in the book of Romans chapter 1. He said, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Though they knew God, they glorified him not as God. In other words, they knew what is good. There is something we used to say in my neck of the woods. They say what is not good is not good. There is no other name that you give to it. A man sleeping with another man's wife is not good. It doesn't matter how you call it. Taking what does not belong to you is not good. It doesn't matter how you call it. Whatever is not good is not good. And that's what the Lord Almighty is saying here. There is a willful rejection where you know that this is the will of God and you make up your mind that you are not going to do it. That is why some people don't come to Christ. Not because of any evidence, not because they don't know what is true, but it's simply because they have made up their mind that they don't want to do it. Not only that, people do not believe because they want to be free from the yoke of God. And what I mean by that is I want to chop life. So why would I go to church? Well, the only thing they are doing is just singing and praising God. Everybody's looking tall. They are not wearing proper clothes. They are not having fun. They don't go to parties. I mean, why would I want to do that? I'm a young man. I want to free myself from that. I want to be able to sow my royal old, like the guy from the coming to America. You want to be able to go to Queens and find a queen for Zamunda. But the, idea, but the idea is that many people do not want to come to the Almighty God, not because they don't know, not because they don't know it's true, but because they don't want to be tied down by what they consider to be yoke of God. They don't want to be in a position where God is not going to allow them to have fun. Do not do this. Do not do that. That is what they see the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to be. And because of that, they don't want to be associated with it. That's why they don't believe. Many do not believe because of what is called environmental conformity. Not because they don't know the truth. But because my friends are not yet in the church. The people that I consider to be influential are not in the church. The people that I consider to be people of honor, the movers and the shakers of the community, they are not in the church. As a result, I don't want to be in the church. And you find this going back all the way to the days of the children of Israel. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 8, it says that when Samuel was getting old, the people of Israel demanded for a king. Samuel said, don't do it. But they insisted. If you read from verse number 19, the Bible says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us. That we may be like all the nations that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Because they want to be like every other person. But the problem is this, if you don't do it, there are consequences for working against the almighty God. But today is not the judgment day. The point that we want to emphasize is that how do you start the process of coming close to the Almighty God? Especially now, during this Christmas season. How do you start that process? 
How does a person become to walk with the Almighty God? The process starts, number one, with the realization that you are spiritually dead. As long as you know that you can do nothing of your own, that is when you begin the process of coming to the Almighty God. When you realize that the wisdom, your wisdom is like a foolishness before the Almighty God, that is when you begin to realize, that is when you begin to walk your way back to the Almighty God. When you begin to let go of your own rejection, you begin to let go of your excuses, you begin to let go of things that you are holding on to, that is when you begin to make your way back to the Almighty God. When you begin to embrace the yoke of the Almighty God, and you see the yoke not as a yoke, but as a true freedom, that is when you begin to come back to the path of the Almighty God. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.